You're listening to the Pursue God Recovery Podcast, the official channel for addiction recovery at PursueGod.org. Join pastors Eric Siderud and Mark Alstrom as they talk about overcoming addiction and living a surrendered life. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash recovery. Well, welcome back to the Recovery Podcast with Pastor Eric. I'm Pastor Mark. We're back in the studio and we're continuing on our relapse prevention series. This is the the second lesson in the series. And so today, what we're going to be talking about is is triggers. Um, now, I, I just want to talk about, I want to point out the fact that, you know, most addicts have experienced in our, you know, in our path to recovery, we've experienced maybe this short-term uh, victory over our addiction. We've, we, you know, experience a period of clean time only to find ourselves right back in our addiction again, just a full-blown relapse. And this question always seems to come up, at least I always ask myself this, is how did I get back here? Like, How did I suddenly find myself full-blown back in my addiction again? Eric, have you, uh, you have a little analogy that you wanted to share about this, right? Yeah, when we think about triggers. I, I think that's a, a common word actually used a lot lately uh, with even with younger people. And um, I hear it all the time. My son will say, you know, this is triggering me or or something like that. So I think we have a, a general idea. We're going to kind of define the word. But when I first think of the word trigger, you know, what do you think of? Uh, obviously, you think of a gun, mm-hmm. right? Because a gun has a trigger on it. And if you think about, you know, all of the things leading up to firing a gun um, or, or, or pulling the trigger and, and, and shooting a gun, you, you think about the, the way to start the whole process. Now, I'm not like, you know, crazy uh, into... Uh, guns. I've been a hunter, you know, since I was a kid. I went through firearms safety training and all that type of stuff. And so I like uh, the idea of using them recreationally or for for protection or whatever. But if you think about how it works, um, there's a whole process. I know it happens in the blink of an eye, but to, to fire a gun, there's a whole process of things going on. Like, it has to be loaded and then you you pull the trigger and when you pull the trigger it's usually a hammer inside of the gun this little mechanism hits the back of a a bullet and that bullet is it's is its own little mechanism that you're triggering to cause a little fire in the gunpowder in the casing which causes an explosion that releases a projectile that spirals out of a, a barrel and finally mm-hmm. hits hits the target. And so there's a lot of steps that happen, but the first thing that has to take place, you know, to fire that gun is, you know, the, the most practical part is to, to pull the trigger. So when we're talking about triggers, we're talking about things that catalyze or start a process which can be very damaging, especially in the addict, right? You know, you think mm-hmm. about the power that a gun has to to cause damage or harm. The same is true for triggers in the uh, the addict's life, in his mind and in his heart, his or her heart. 
if something triggers you and you don't know how to properly handle it, then it can cause a lot of harm. It'll 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 start all kinds of things going on in yeah. your mind. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I like how you talk like addiction, it it has a power to it. it ha- mm-hmm. It's had a power over our lives. That's why, you know, step one, we talk about how powerless we are. And 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 really this analogy is great because all of these things on their own really are pretty powerless, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the lead in a bullet on its own is powerless, but in a casing with black powder, mm-hmm. and then it's struck just right by the firing pin, suddenly there's an explosion and a projectile and it, it's dangerous. So now it's dangerous once mm-hmm. you put all these things together. And, and so last week we talked about relapse being this process just like the firing of a gun, it can be, it can be a quick process too in our own minds. It can be something you know we something is we're not dealing with things correctly, and so suddenly a trigger comes along or a trigger gets pulled, and this process just goes it explodes, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think you know something I want to mention you know after I, you know I started going into recovery and started learning about these things and and learning about myself. I remember sharing some of my personal struggles, like in in uh, small groups at church with people, and and I remember people, you know, a few people being like, "I just don't understand it. I don't understand how you can't just choose not to not to do these things." And it's and I think this is really what it is: is addiction triggers or or something that the non addict really really struggles to understand. They don't get it that there's this. You know, we, we have this process that we've developed in our mind over and over again, that it's just this automatic thing that happens, especially when we get triggered. So, you know, triggers are the reason I think that recovery is a process. It's not this snap decision like, like you know, a lot of people like to think it is. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's just so important for us to, to learn what they are because our, our triggers are all pretty personal, right? Like we all have different triggers and we have to, we have to learn what our own triggers are. Um, so Eric, you want to kind of define what a trigger is? Yeah. Yeah. A trigger can be anything that brings back thoughts, feelings, or memories, uh, that can have to do with our addiction or it's something that starts, a thought or a feeling in us that causes us then to start down a pathway of decision-making that can ultimately lead us to a relapse if we don't identify, you know, what a trigger is and then deal with it right when it comes up. And so I think there are two different kinds of triggers for the addict. And really, as you said, um, you know, people do have a hard time understanding why addicts will uh, seem to be powerless over their addictions and fall back into the same behaviors over and over again. But I do think the reality is, is that all human beings struggle with uh, this, with triggers that cause them to have, you know, out of control behaviors, Mm -hmm. but they just haven't taken it as far as to self-medicate like we did. But I think in a sense, all people are addicts, right? Because we're all broken. And, um, you know, there's, I guess I would use an example of 
someone being able to control their tongue. You know, mm-hmm. the Bible talks about in James, if anyone can control their tongue, they're a perfect man. And nobody can do that. You know, yeah. like you, you wonder why, why can't a person like in a marriage or, um, you know, in some kind of a relationship, you get a, a thought or a feeling, something that triggers you. And even regular day people, regular everyday people, they struggle to not argue or fight back or say something hurtful. And so I would say to the person who doesn't understand the addict, I'd say the same thing. Well, why can't you control your tongue? <laughs> right? A good point. Yeah, especially I, I think about, you know, how many people drive around in their car and uh, you want to be this this great Christian driving around on the road. But mm-hmm. what ends up happening? The minute somebody cuts you off, that's your trigger because <laughs> now you're cussing this person out. Maybe you're trying to, you know, get back at them. It's you're right. It triggers are everybody deals with these. Uh, but like you said, for the addict, it just it it takes us to a much further place because mm-hmm. that's where we're used to living is in that 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 deeper, darker place. Yeah. So there are two types of triggers for us. And I think the first one is external and the other one is internal. And so there are things that happen out there in the world, outside of us, um, that we can't control, but yet we can't also leave the world and not be triggered by things, right? And Mm -hmm. so uh, there are things that happen apart from our own control that cause us to feel feelings and to think thoughts. Um, And then we'll deal with internal triggers in a second, but yeah, some some external triggers then would be would be something like being in a specific location and then it causes you to you've been there before, right? Like a mm-hmm. bar or a neighborhood uh associated with where you used to go and and party or meet with a dealer or whatever it was um or hanging out with old friends that cause feelings or get you to think thoughts. And I'll I'll just share this. Just today I had a trigger. I was meeting someone at a coffee shop um, in in a city that I used to live in and I used to do a lot of a lot of dirt in this city right <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, and driving past like literal houses where I used to to use at and knowing you know remembering walking up and down these streets and knowing you know the the, the area very well, I, I drove through this area to get to the coffee shop, and then on my way here to do this podcast, I drove back through the area. And what happened as I'm driving past these places, all of a sudden I start reliving my old life again. In my mind, I started having memories that were taking me back to some pretty dark places. And 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 thank God, you know, I'm I'm on my way to do a do a podcast on this, you know, mm-hmm. so I can quickly change my mind or I can say things like, wow, that was, yeah, I, I'm glad that I, I don't spend much time here in this place anymore. Not that we can always outrun all of our triggers, but, but uh, yeah, that was something that popped up in, in me just yeah. recently. Yeah. Well, that's what, that's why it's so crucial for us to like recognize that it is a trigger, right? Like that's the difference now is you maybe before you, you know, learned this about yourself, you would have just gone on about your day, not understanding why suddenly, man, I'm, I'm really craving my addiction again. Like I'm really 
starting to to glorify that that time of my life and and what's going on, not recognizing that well there was a trigger, you know that that brought these memories back, brought back these ideas and and uh, if if we don't handle it, if we don't do something about it, yeah, it's it's a scary place to be, right? Mm-hmm. I think um, I've experienced that too, you know, places. Another thing is is people, people who maybe we, we hung around, you know. In, in our addiction, people who participated in our addiction, or maybe even people who just aren't uh, living the right kind of life, who are actively involved in drugs, alcohol, different things that are going to be a trigger for you because of you know the life that they're living. So people can be a huge trigger as well. Um, and I've had people that I've had to cut out of my life that they don't particularly understand why. Um, but I, I do. And that's like a, a sacrifice that I've had to make, you mm-hmm. know, is there are certain people that I can't spend time with and I still love them. I pray for them, but, but I can't spend time with them the way that I used to. Yeah, no, I've, I've had to deal with that same thing. And, and, you know, as we're talking about kind of these external triggers, I think there's a few more, um, examples of this. Uh, maybe it's, um, being in a stressful situation, that's what triggers you, right? It's mm-hmm. uh, being in kind of a chaotic situation, maybe uh, fights, you know, at home or with, with coworkers. Um, maybe you have a toxic thing going on uh, at work or a, a place that you spend a lot of time at that, that can cause, um, you know, feelings and thoughts, you know, to to maybe want to go self-medicate or, or maybe there's, yeah, marital, marital conflict or, or, uh, romantic breakups or relationship issues. There's, there's occasions that remind you of, you know, a death in the family or of something that reminds you of in the past, you know, maybe it's an anniversary of someone's, you know, passing, or maybe it's a, a holiday, a holiday or a celebration, something that brings to to mind a very painful time in your life, and and if you're um, in in recovery and you haven't learned how to deal with these these emotions yet and these triggers, some of the deeper pains that we've talked about when taking our inventories and stuff like that, these can often lead to relapses because we get triggered and then we dwell on those things so much so that we end up almost live reliving an old experience again. Mm -hmm. And the way we dealt with emotions in the past was to mask them and, and self-medicate. And then maybe another thing is, uh, movies, TV shows, ads, you know, commercials, things like that. Like sometimes I watch, (laughs) commercials and and I always hate seeing the commercial where on vacation you know somebody's having such a great time or it's a movie and everybody's having like a a drink or something like that's the best way and only way you can have a good vacation you right. know is to have some kind of thing that's going to to um make you feel different than what you naturally feel and mm-hmm. so those are things that end up triggering people. Those are external triggers. All right. So we mm-hmm. could keep talking about that, but we need to move on. Um, then there are internal triggers. And these are things that 
that may may happen because of something on the outside, but maybe mostly comes from within most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like these these things are are really related to um being aware of your emotions and, and things because a lot of these things these are things that people deal with all the time. Not even just that. I mean, everybody deals with these things, but these can be triggers for us because um, of how we're used to dealing with these things. Things like feeling lonely or isolated, <clears throat> things like being feeling overwhelmed, right? We talked about stress and in the external triggers. I mean, those are things that can come along from the external, but sometimes we can feel overwhelmed without really external sources coming in just by dwelling on things and thinking about you know, all these other uh, things that, that are going on in our lives or, or, or stuff we're trying to overcome. Um, maybe even, you know, facing rejection or mm. criticism from other people. This, this is a big one, especially, I think, for an addict who is openly sharing that they are trying to, uh, that they're in recovery, that they're trying to overcome an addiction. I think a lot of times there there tends to be a lot of judgment around that, and so there are people who are going to reject you, and and so being aware that that can be a trigger is is really 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 important, or even being too hard on yourself, um, maybe for mistakes you made in the past, maybe even in in your active recovery right now. Um, I know one of the things you know we talk about. Last time we talked about it, that when in a, if you relapse, I mean that's a lot of times it's hard to pick yourself back up because it, there is this continued trigger of feeling like I'm a failure, feeling like I can't do this, and and so a relapse itself can be can cause this, um, and it's this internal trigger that comes up that we need to be aware of. Um, any other internal triggers that you can think of, Eric, that maybe you've had to deal with? Yeah, I'm just, you know, we do have uh, show notes that, that you guys can access uh, from the podcast. Or if you go to the website, you can always see some of our notes, some mm-hmm. of these things that we're talking about. And one of them that we have here is hearing songs, you know, and, and dwelling on those songs, yeah. I, uh, which can be an external, but also, you know, usually external always leads to internal. Um, I've had to cut out listening to certain types of music even. Um, you know, one of them is, is uh, any kind of like, <laughs> like romantic type of music for some odd reason. You know, like R&B music I used to listen to um, a lot before I was married. And, uh, you know, I, I struggled with, with sexual sin in the past. And, and now, you know, probably... Um, still, still don't want to have, you know, indecent or impure thoughts. And, and so some of the music I used to listen to wasn't always, always the best, even though it was like, you know, kind of <laughs> love making music or whatever, you, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I just can't listen to that anymore because then it put, puts my mind in, in a certain um, frame of thinking. And mm-hmm. then, yeah, even like some rap I used to listen to talks about, you know, certain behaviors, drug use and stuff like that. Um, every once in a while, I'll hear an old song from back in the day. I think, um, you know, one of the Super Bowl 
um, a couple of years ago, like, a, like there was like all my favorite rappers, like did this huge <laughs> compilation at a Super Bowl halftime show. And it was like, brings back old feelings and memories and mm -hmm. yeah, but it's just stuff that uh, I got to keep out of my life so I can keep my brain thinking, thinking clearly, you know, there's so much going on, um, out in the world that's trying to get in into us you know into our minds and our thoughts and mm -hmm. and that's where as we're gonna you know i think move on um from talking about what kind of triggers you know external internal triggers eventually i think we're going to talk about how to how to deal with these uh but before i just wanted to bring up maybe another another thing was um that's internal is intense worry or fear or uncertainty about the future, I think, um, causes people a lot of anxiety. There are people out there that just want to know what's going to happen or what's coming up. And, and this is something that comes from the inside, not from the outside. It's just a behavior where we, if we're going to, going to let go of control of our lives and trust God, We've got to get to this place where where we we live life day by day and not always worrying about weeks, months, and years in advance. Now we should be planning for the future, obviously, but we got to live this life one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And if we're so far ahead in our minds, thinking about things that again we have no control over, um, you know, certain outcomes, that's going to cause a lot of intense worry. And again, I think addicts struggle with dealing with emotions and thoughts, and they've always just used something to medicate that rather than deal with it. And so that's what we need to talk about is how, how to deal with this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, because it really is. I mean, it, it, sometimes we forget how many things will bring up the, these, these feelings of worry and concern, and it can't even just be taking this, this pathway to recovery. I think it's in one of the... One of the questions you came up with, Eric, in one of the, the 12 steps that we did um, to recovery, you guys can go back and look at that on pursuegod.org slash recovery on um, the, the steps to recovery. I think it's step three, where we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. And you, one of the questions I remember you, you putting on there is, are, do you have, it's something like, do you, ha are, do you have any fear or worry about this new life that you're going to live. Mm. And I think that's a common thing for a lot of addicts. I think for, for me, that was something that I was like, well, I don't know what, I don't know what this new life of that I'm giving over to God is going to look like. Mm. And there's a, there's a worry about that. So yeah, being aware of that and then, and then understanding that we can't, we don't, we can't control that. We can't really understand what that's going to look like. We don't know the future. And so taking it, like you said, this one day at a time approach is important. Um, and I think, you know, something that <clears throat> talking about these internal triggers, I think external triggers tend to be something that are a lot easier to identify. And I think the internal ones are a lot more difficult. I remember early on in my recovery, I, I was seeing a Christian counselor for a while and, and he actually gave me some really good advice. And I wish I still did this. I'm not, I don't really do this anymore, but <clears throat> he had me journaling, taking, doing a daily journal um, and I think in doing that, I was able to identify a lot more of my internal triggers mm. than I would have been able to on my own. 
I think that was a huge thing. I mean, obviously it's internal triggers have always been difficult for us to identify. I think it is for everybody. Um, and so something like that can help, but also, I mean, we're going to have to invite God in. God's going to have to reveal a lot of these internal triggers to us because we, we just can't see them. We don't understand our thoughts and feelings very well mm-hmm. a lot of times. Um, so we really want to be practical here too, though, right? We want to talk about, you know, how can you avoid these triggers? Now with the external triggers, I want to point out the, you know, we, while we said that these are easier to identify, um, being conscious and, and putting in the effort to avoid those, it can be a, it can be a challenge. It can be, sometimes there's a lot of sacrifice that goes into avoiding the external triggers, right? Mm -hmm. Like you talk about if there's a a location that brings up these things that that's a trigger for you going out of your way, even if it's say, say it's right on your way to work, like it's on your daily commute to work, Mm. finding another route to take, that's a, that's going to be a a sacrifice, but in the end it's worth it. Right. And there's just so many external triggers that um, if we can identify them, sometimes it's going to be it's going to be a sacrifice, but in recovery, we're always talking about, you know, are you really willing to do whatever it takes? And so when it comes to avoiding triggers, are you willing to do whatever it takes to avoid these things? Um, but there's some really good uh, practical spiritual steps that we can take as well, right? Ultimately, it's going to be God who's going to help us on this, this pathway to recovery, to living this new life. So Eric, what are some of the the steps that we that we can take to avoid triggers external and internal? Yeah, so so we've got uh, four practical steps, um, spiritual steps, things that 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 we can do to deal with our triggers when they come up because we can't always avoid triggers, but when they do come up, we can learn how to deal with them. Like you said, we should get to a place where we're being triggered less. Mm-hmm. where we got to have some boundaries so that we're not always having to do this defensive work. Um, but we do have to learn how to be reactive and proactive in a healthy way. And so one of them is is prayer. Mm-hmm. One thing we can do to uh, avoid or to stop triggers is to pray. Uh, again, if we're... <laughs> If we say that we're Christians, we've got this new faith, if God is powerful, if we surrendered our will and lives over to Him, and we trust Him to control and uh, to lead us, then part of our faith is worked out in things that we do, like prayer. And so often we forget to drop down on our knees in, the, in, in a moment of weakness or in a time of struggle. Instead of prayer being the last thing, the last resort, which we all come to, sometimes th- I say this all the time, you know, oftentimes in a, in a trial or a hard time in our lives, what, what happens in most people's and Christians' lives is they say, well, all there is left to do now is pray. <laughs> all we can do now is pray. I've tried everything in my own power but now let's let's see what God can do, and that's the wrong way of doing this new life. We mm. ought to, that prayer ought to be the first thing that we train ourselves to do when we're going through something difficult. It reminds me of uh, 
what Jesus says in, in Matthew 26, 41. He says, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Now, this is the time when he's with his disciples and he's trying to get them to stay awake and pray while he's, you know, struggling with having to go to the cross, right? right? And he's like, keep watch and, and keep praying, you know, for me and for yourselves. And and they keep falling asleep, you know, because mm-hmm. they're 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 weak, basically. And but that really points to us is that that we ought to be diligent, both proactive and and reactive. That we we have our daily discipline of prayer, asking God to keep us. You know, in the Lord's prayer, it says, "Deliver me from temptation and 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 keep me from the evil one." Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. there's this temptation out there from the world and from the devil we're we're praying against that but then also we need to have this reactive prayer lifestyle where it's the first thing that we do as we we pray yeah yeah that's a, and that's such a great example because <clears throat> you know you talk about this was he, him telling his disciples to to pray he's he's in the garden praying like you said before he's going to the cross and i think he was asking them yeah probably to pray for him but mostly for themselves, right? He talks about um, so that you will not give in to temptation. Mm-hmm. He wants them to be proactive, not reactive, because he knows the struggle that's about to come. When he's arrested and they're searching, now now they're, they're coming after his disciples too. They want to take him down along with all his disciples, and what happens is they all abandon him. They all run away because they weren't proactive in their prayer, right? They kept falling asleep, what we know from the story. And so really he is, he's coaching them on being proactive, proactive Mm. in prayer so that you can resist, so that you can not give in to temptation. You know, it says the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Prayer really is about submitting to the spirit, right? A lot of times we think prayer is just just, uh, asking God for things, but really it's trying to align our our will with, with God's will, letting God the Spirit take over um, so that we're not leaning on our flesh, because that's all we really have, you know? Yeah, so. that's good, and that leads to the second thing, then, is to submit to God. Um, to And what it really means to submit to God is to, to start living a lifestyle that wants to go God's way instead of our own. And so all these different things that happen in our lives, you know, we should definitely pray God, what is your will? Um, what is your will for my life? And then when you find out the will in the Word of God, because that's how God talks back to us is in, in the Bible, when you find out His will, you should go want to do it. Um, and even in situations when you're triggered, the Bible has a lot to say about how we ought to react to triggers um, when we have emotions and thoughts, James 4, 7 says, humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so you're in, in a situation, you can have the word of God remind you that, hey, even though you're having a thought or a feeling or, or an emotion, you, you go to God and you say, okay, this is where I'm at, but what does your word say I need to do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what does your word say about how I need to be humble, t- need to be teachable? Because 
our thoughts and feelings aren't always rational, Mm-mm. right? They're not always healthy. And so we need to humble ourselves before God. And the second part of that, resist the devil. We resist the devil by going God's way. Yeah. And, and the devil wants to puff us up with pride and say in our thoughts, yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Go ahead and carry out that weird idea you just had, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. funny is I think this this verse, too, is sometimes... Um, I think the enemy uses the, the devil uses this verse sometimes because he he wants us to forget the first part of that verse, right? How many times do we hear Christians say the second part of the verse? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We're not resisting him in our own strength. Mm-hmm. We have to resist because we've humbled ourselves before God. Mm-hmm. Now we're able to resist him because we're choosing God's way instead of our way or the enemy's way, right? Like it's a, it, this is a proactive step as well. That, that humility, man, humbling ourselves before God, recognizing our powerlessness, recognizing that He is our strength, and He is our, you know, the one who can, who can do all this, that we can do all things through. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important. Yeah, and then the third one is to stay accountable to a sponsor or a mentor, um, which which is also a humbling thing to do, to actually, now we're submitting to God's will, but now we've got to actually do it with another a tangible person and have someone, to be humble enough to go to someone and say, hey, I need your advice, I need you to hold me accountable, I need you to lead me, I need you to ask me hard questions and be willing to tell me hard things, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So usually when you find a mentor, it's someone that you know can actually, um, you know, not be a people pleaser to you, but can say some hard things. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without wise leadership, a nation falls, there's safety in having many advisors. And so if we're going to manage our lives, we better have people who are like managers over us, uh, wise counselors. We need to have people that can speak into our lives and challenge us. Here's the thing. Um, Oftentimes people are most comfortable with people that are just like them around them. But I've learned the way that God wants me to grow is to have people that are different than me around me, to be able to challenge my thoughts, to challenge my opinions, my ideas, and even call me out when I'm living, you know, hypocritically or in a way that's not pleasing to God. Yeah. Yeah. This was, I mean, this is King Solomon, right? Who wrote Proverbs, considered mm-hmm. one of the wisest, mm-hmm. the wisest man, right? In the, in the, in the Bible. Um, and he was a king, like we just mentioned. This guy's a king. I think he knows a little something about, about leadership, mm-hmm. right? And so he does, he talks about having many advisors. And this is something that I've I've learned not even, you know, just as a pastor, Eric and I are both pastors, and we have leadership teams that we rely heavily on, right? But I even learned this in the secular workplace. In order to to not only uh, gain, you know, they talk about you got to gain buy-in from your team. And so you include, you, you let them have input, you include them with that. But on top of that, there is, there's just this this level of we need each other. We need to lean on other people's uh, help and their ideas and their input because we don't know everything. We just don't. If you're put in a leadership position, it's really not about what you know. It's about how are you really willing to lead by example and um, and really put 
people before yourself. That's what Mm -hmm. we call that servant leadership, right? Yeah, and if we think about a king who's willing to get advisors that shows shows humility, he's in like this top level position of life and mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, pride, you know, what kings could probably I and mean, great leaders can end up falling. Because another thing he said is pride comes before the fall. Um um you know, pride can keep us from having asking for accountability. Yeah. You know, because we think, oh, we got this, we got this figured out by ourselves, right? And that mm-hmm. happens to the greatest leaders in the world, all the way down to people. Everybody's leading something or someone. Yeah. You know? So, but but the the principle of it is 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 it's a humble thing to ask someone to come into your life and give you advice and to hold you accountable. Then, which leads us then to the last practical step is. To fight triggers, you've got to be willing to change your lifestyle, to create new habits and and do new things. You know, now not everything you can't always change everything, but sometimes I've heard stories of people needing to change their job situation. Mm-hmm. Right, that's a big that's a big sacrifice. Whether it's because someone's addicted to porn and they're on the computer all day long and they just can't, you know deal with being at a screen all the time or maybe it's there's some co-workers there or a toxic thing going on there that causes you to relapse all the time or or friends i mean i started i i just have to say i started using a lot of the drugs that i tried first was because of people at work you know Mm, like yeah people at work you know having me try things or do things or whatever like that and i ended up having to leave a job because of that and um but and but also going and hanging out at at bars and going and you know watching certain movies and things that you just need to cut out of your life i mean if you want to get rid of a lot of these triggers um again it goes back to living god's way instead of your own you know second corinthians 5 17 says this means that anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old life is gone and a new life has begun. I mean, Jesus came and and died for our sins so that we could be forgiven, but not to go back to the old life and to, to constantly need to put him back on the cross over and over again. No, he came and washed us clean and set us free to go now live a new life that honors him. But that means then we need to start picking up new new habits and get rid of some of the old bad habits as well. Yeah. Yeah. And this goes for the, the Christian and the recovering addict and, you know, alike, whether you're a believer or not as a recovering addict, you know, if you, if you look at this, this recovery process of putting a, a, a list of things in place, a list of prohibitions in place, like here's all these rules that I have to follow things that I cannot do you're going to fail because you can't make a, a list that's going to encompass everything, right? Instead, we need to start looking at, this, like this verse says, this, this new life that we've been given. We need to live a new life. And so instead of asking yourself, what, what can I not do? What shouldn't I do? We need to start asking ourselves, what should I do? What's, what's going to be um, more beneficial? What's going to be, for the Christian, what's more glorifying God right now? Is it going to be... Um, spending this next hour, 
the, the free time that I have, um, browsing social media, YouTube, um, just kind of, you know, just deadening my mind? Or would this time be better spent um, maybe reading reading your Bible on your phone, you know, or even listening to a sermon or or worship music, something like that. I know for me that was something that that really started to transform my way of thinking, really started to to change my heart and my mind was when I started to replace all of these things that seemingly are are innocent. Like they're not anything that's really um, that anybody would consider bad. But when I started to to, to turn those habits in, in in into good habits by 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 doing those things like I just mentioned, I did. I stopped listening to a lot of the music that I used to listen to, a lot of the, I, used, I, liked, I liked a lot of rock music and, and punk music and it's just a lot of just angry stuff, you know? There's a lot of anger and just darkness and I stopped listening to that and I just started listening to, to music that was uplifting, a lot of worship music and it's did, it started to, to change the way that I think, the way that I feel um, and even just, you know, spending time in, in the Word, reading the Bible um, instead of you know just uh, maybe playing some stupid game on my phone yeah and and also you know yeah changing the way that you spend time and who you spend it with mm-hmm. you know and and one of the things that really changed my life one of the things that I didn't quite get I kept trying to get clean over and over and over again and I kept relapsing until I finally understood that, God wanted wanted me to be in a community, um, the church, oh, you yeah. know, and so I never was like I grew up kind of going to church, but it wasn't until I was motivated why I should go to church so I could build new relationships, have new habits, new hobbies, and so I started spending time, you know, serving at church on Sundays, and then getting involved with small groups, and I made more friends that way, and. I mean, I think about, man, I used to have like the dirtiest mouth, you know, I used to cuss <laughs> all the time and like being at church so much just kind of changed that. At first I had to start catching myself, you know, and being around, you know, old ladies and stuff like helps you not, <laughs> not cuss so much. And then you're around other people who've got some maturity and you end up, you know, being able to control yourself and ask questions and, um, I think God designed the church, not just the building, but the the people. He designed for us to be in, involved with that community because he was going to work out a lot of the healing processes that we need in our lives um, in that community. And so being involved with them, it causes you to have things to do, accountability, to be busy to help you with your disciplines to help you with prayer and bible study and all those things and so i think god god his spirit his word and his people um really is is the the new way of life that god wants us to live and we can live in in victory um when we start putting all these things into practice yeah thanks eric uh so like we said this is a this is a really important uh, topic to, to talk about because these triggers, as we mentioned, um, a lot of them, we, we just don't recognize them. And so learning what they are, how to, um, become aware of them and how to avoid them. These steps that we talked about are crucial in winning this battle 
over our addiction, in, in, in winning this battle over being able to battle against these triggers when they come up and being, and knowing how to avoid them. So, uh, thanks for joining us today. We're going to next time be finishing up this relapse prevention series. So join us again next time, um, on the recovery broadcast. Thank you. Hey listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app that really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.